Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is, I guess it's kind of the end of season, Dan. And with me as always is, hell no, there's so much to talk about. Sarah, how are you, Sarah? <laughs> I didn't know that was coming, but it's so true, because I was just thinking, how would you say this? Oh my god. <laughs> We have a very special podcast today, um, and it's inspired by our good friends over at VeloVoices.com. Uh, I was asked by, by Kathy Hall, who's um, Kitty Fondue on Twitter, who I hope you're following. Um, she was saying they're, they're putting together a series of voting categories for their end of year thing. And I said, and she said, would, would I give them some nominations for the women's section I, oh hell yes i will yes 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 <laughs> and in typical yes. in typical sarah's style she then nominated everyone for everything um, I then and nominated- they said they said could you narrow it down a bit <laughs> i said look i do have a slight problem in that i'm not sure i can get to five can i put in some honorable mentions so I wanted to talk about these and with Dan because I because you know Dan and me can argue forever. So that's what we're going to do. We are going to no, talk about we're not, we're the not categories. We're going to argue forever though. Like, <laughs> don't mislead our our friends and listeners. This this podcast will end eventually. It won't go forever. Well, it's got to end fairly soon because I have to run out of the house at a certain deadline. But that's all right because we can always wait and Dan can sit around until I can until I come back. Um, it's great. Yes. So we're going to talk. Uh, 2016 road riders we've got categories what rider of the year best race finish unsung heroes and breakthrough riders were the categories that they asked me to um to nominate for now being me i'm like oh what do you actually mean by unsung heroes and so i've got two categories out of that and oh (laughs) what does it actually mean by breakthrough riders so i've got two categories for that as well and that's what we're going to talk about um yeah honestly if you're playing along at home or on the tube or whatever can you honestly be surprised from the team that promises week in and week out that will be an hour this time and you know topped out at like an hour 40 i think (laughs) (laughs) that's not something we're trying to no no that's my point though it just happens so uh, is anyone surprised that four categories is already turned into eight (laughs) so i am gonna say if, if we talk about who we both think it is Okay, who, number one, hands down, would be your Rider of the Year, Dan? Or should we start with oh, saying who's on your shortlist? Yeah, Rider of the Year, man, that's a hard one to just straight up name. Um, Do you want to start somewhere else? No, 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 I'm happy to start there, but let's let's start with, with, with who deserves consideration and then get into who we'd actually give it to, I think, is, is where I'd go. Yes. I mean, I had a long list of about 10 riders. Well, actually, I have a long list of about nine riders. Yeah. And then well, you, look, suggested, look, you suggested my 10th one, which I hadn't thought about putting on there. But once you said it, it made perfect sense. Well, there was there was a whole bunch that, that kind of just made sense to me for, for consideration and just, you know, deserved um, to, to be in there. And I think... I think actually the first thing I kind of want to say is just how good a bloody year has it been that that you can't just immediately go oh it's that rider like there you actually have to consider a whole bunch of people and from different parts of the season as well that's I think that's one of the things that caught me a little bit by surprise even within like the most dominant team of the year bowls there's there's you know several riders that I would consider um, but I guess yeah. starting there, um, given the way her year began, you've got to start with Lizzie. Um, you know, Lizzie Danen. Yeah, Lizzie Danen, uh, previously Lizzie Armistead as, as was. Yes, um, but you know, taking on um, the uh, World Championships jersey this year, and um, you know, winning what was it? Three of the first five World Cup races. So she. She, when you look at when you look at Lizzie Danan's uh, actual stats, it's ridiculous. Um, mm. So Lizzie has always been an amazing classic rider. We, you know, are very very strong classic riders. She won the Women's Road World Cup series overall series twice, but she's always had that thing where she's been quite an anxious person and very unhappy with coming second all the time and stuff. So it was like, and and, and bear in mind that for many years we didn't see Lizzie 
in the classic season because she was a trackie, right? She says the mm. trackie, and trackies can't get their full goal to 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 to, to the road to the to the road. But she's always been a great. But she's been a great classics rider. But she, she got on her bike and she rode. I mean, she won. She she won four out of her first six races that she rode and they're huge races these aren't kind of sorry um you know kind of small races in, in the corner somewhere so she started omelette pet noise lad won that solo mm. then she rode strada bianchi which uh we'll talk about how these races unfolded in the best race finish a bit later and won that in a three up um, mind games sprint up the hills of siena she rode Ronda Van Drenta, but she was sick and didn't finish. She rode Trofeo Alfredo Binder uh, and was and won that um, from a two-up, three-up sprint. Yep. She was 17th in Hent with Elgem, and then she won Ronda Van Vlaanderen. Yeah, which, I mean, Flanders. It's, I mean, good God. Yeah, and when you look at her, if you look at her up to the Giro, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten races, and out of that, she had six, seven wins out of ten races, including, oh, maybe six wins out of ten races, including, no, seven wins, because I'm including the, the GC of the Aviva Women's Tour. So... She hasn't ridden... Now, the thing about about Lizzie is that she hasn't ridden as much as a lot of the other riders we're going to talk about, yeah? Yeah. Like, she only... Like, you look at what she rode, and she was Noiseblad, Strade, Drenta, Binder, Hentwev, Flanders, Flesh, Women's Tour de Yorkshire, Bowls Classics, Aviva Women's Tour, Giro. You know, there was no there was no faffing around with, with Lizzie Armistead. She... All season long, when you look at what she rode... I would say that the smallest races, in inverted commas, are the Women's Tour de Yorkshire and the um, Bowles Rental Hills Classics. And of course, right. Women's Tour de Yorkshire is huge. It's on her home. It's on her home soil. Yep. It's you know it's very important to her. And Bowles Rental Hills Classics is very important to her in terms of team sponsor. You know, in, yeah. ter- in terms of team sponsor. Yeah. Um, I'm pet noise. So the only races, and so those two plus Noiseblad plus. Uh, Bowls Rentals Ladies Tour are the only races that, and, and the Olympics, of course, are the only races that she rode that weren't World Tour. Right. So, shallow program, very good win rates. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, it does make it, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's, I guess, part of the argument we've got to have down the line, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, jumping then to the other end of the season, um, one that uh, that. For me, it's hard. This one I find really kind of conflicting just because it's an amazing story. It's an amazing year, but it's almost amazing more because of the what-ifs and the and the comebacks of it. But I, I had to have Annemiek van Vleuten on my long list. Yeah, now, can we just go back? Can we just get back to Lizzie, uh, Lizzie Danen for one moment? Yeah, sure. So... The other thing about Lizzie Danen is we can't talk about her season, like her amazing season in terms of racing, without talking about how she also had her secret ban and her three missing drugs yeah, tests good point, that good then point. got turned down to two missing drugs tests. I feel like it depends when you're talking about who should win and stuff. I feel like it depends. You know, this is the thing is Van Vleuten and Danen, they both have a sim- very, very different reasons why. Like, can you take the off-bike stuff into consideration? Because yeah, I feel like those three drugs tests were... I, I, I still... I've said this before. I still think it's... That it's not, I don't think it's evidence of doping. I think it's evidence of her thinking the rules didn't apply to her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, do we take that into account? Question mark. Because that moves us into Annemiek van Vleuten. Yeah, well, and exactly, and then you know, if we're going to discount one, why would we not discount both? Or if well, we're I think it's, one, I think it's okay to both. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's one of those it's one of those interesting things, and that's I think for me that's the agony of of Anamik. In the end, I I just I had to put her on my long list because of what I believe would have happened had she not crashed in the Olympic road race, but more more actually for the fact that like I I. Honestly, just 
expected and would not at all have thought less of her in any way, shape, or form if that had just been the end of the season for her. Like, if she just focused on recovery and done some training and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, then, then okay, job done. You know, shitty year, but, you know, I get it. But instead, to turn around and come back a month later... Um, win the prologue of the Lotto Belgium Tour and the last stage and the overall. Um, what? So. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, is Van Blurten before the Olympics, when you look at, she had a kind of respectable set of results, you know, like she was out in the break at Strade Bianchi, but mm-hmm. she got dropped from the front group on the final lap. But she was in the top ten. Uh, sorry, of uh, Trofeo Binder. So she's in the top ten of a number of world tour races. So Strade, Ronde van Drenthe, Binder, Gentwerf, Ronde van Vlaanderen. She was all in the top ten. She was second overall in the Energy Walk Tour, um, but she'd never. But you know, she came second in the ITT to get that. Yep. She won the prologue of the of the Festival Elsie Jacobs. Prologues are her thing. She won a stage at Auensteiner Radsportage, but that's a very small race that happens while there are other big races going on. And she had three podiums at Tullingen. So up until the Olympic Games, there's no way I'm really sorry, Annemiek, that she would have been on my shortlist. Yeah, which which is fair. But, I mean, at the same time, too, uh, you know, sometimes with these programs, like, I have to acknowledge that, you know, Orica had a notoriously unusual program for their whole team this year, given their... You know, this is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I think... So, Orica's, on, Orica's public reason for why they didn't go to a lot of races that would have suited the likes of Van Blurten is that they uh, were focusing only on the Olympics. Yeah. In which, which was bizarre, because, because there's this overlap between the... There's this very strong overlap between... Orica AIS and the and the Australian Olympic team that to be honest I think is dodgy I think it's unf- I think it's you know you yep. if you're a rider like Lauren Kitchen or Tiffany Cromwell you must just feel like well you know I can only get to the Olympics if I ride on that team well which... yeah absolutely and I mean that's where the AIS part of the name comes into play you know it's it's uh, you know on most of the or a large part of the funding for the team comes from the Australian Institute of Sport, which is literally funded based on Olympic performance. Um, so, yeah, totally, totally agree there. But also, I mean, I, I don't know if you were going to state it this bluntly, but being the token Aussie in the podcast, um, I'm just going to go say it, is that, like, while Orica said it was because they were focusing on the Olympics, I have to call a certain amount of straight-up bullshit on that because why the fuck would you sign Anna Meek in the first place if you're focusing on races that don't suit her? Like, that just doesn't make sense. Well, also, why would you sign Anna Meek if your focus is on the... I mean, the other thing, this is the thing that I found hilarious, because it's not like the Aussies were the only country that was obsessed with the Olympics. You know? Uh, you look at... I mean, I think that, for example, the Dutch were slightly obsessed with the Olympics. <laughs> I know Lizzie Danen was slightly obsessed with the Olympics, like Megan Guarnier. Yeah, uh, you almost think it Emma around once every four years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, there were a lot of riders who were obsessed with the Olympics who managed to ride a full program, who managed yeah. to ride fuller programs. And also, when you look at the results of the Olympics, which we'll get onto, um, you know, which which is better? I mean, of course, Alamique is with Orica and she, she, you know, obviously, and obviously it suited her because she was out leading the Olympic road race. Mm. But you have to look at her result, you know. She didn't get to ride races like Imakamin Bira. She didn't get to ride at the. She didn't ride at the at uh, the Aviva Women's Tour. She didn't ride the Giro. The whole team didn't ride the Giro. Do you know what I mean? You look yeah, at it yeah. and you're like, huh. Anyway, but Anamik's Olympic road race was phenomenal. The Dutch team's race was phenomenal. Mm. Anamik was incredible. Like. I think my favourite Annemiek van Vleuten moment in that was not that she stayed with mountain goat Mara Abbott on the climb up the final Vista Chinesa climb, but that she broke Abbott's spirit by overtaking her to cross the top of the mountain first. Yeah, yeah. That was the moment for me. And then, of course, her crash was... Just, oh. it still gives me chills just thinking about it. Like, just, oh. And, you know, not those excited chills, like chills of dread. I oh. thought she was dead. 
and you know or or or, or disabled for life but the thing that i re- the th- reason that she's on my list is not because she was leading the olympic road race but because the way that she talked about the crash afterwards mm. you know the way that she's been very open about the fact that it wasn't the the injuries to her body that were the hardest things it was thinking what if it was the mental mm. health stuff yeah. and the fact that she was very open and we don't often hear about mental health and sports you know yeah but she's saying that she probably shouldn't have come back to ride the Lotte Belgium tour, which was, you know, a month after the, after, after her crash. But she's saying that she was just going crazy. Yeah. Like it was just, she had to, she had to refocus on something. So, and I really, yeah. So that's why she, yeah, she's on my list. So when you said it, when you put her on the list, mm. she's there. So obviously Anna van der Breger did win the Olympic games, Olympic road race. Yeah. Um, yep. I, I still think it was fascinating that they were riders in the wrong places. Do you know what I mean? Like in my head, Anna van der Breger should have been the rider staying with, uh, staying with um, Abbott. Abbott and Anna Meek should have been in that second group. And, you know, Lizzie Danen going <laughs> over to Lizzie Danen and, and Cassia Neodoma. Well, uh, you know, and so Cassia Neodoma kind of being in the group back and Emma Johansson being in the group going over the top yeah. was, you know, that's like wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but you know races aren't well, like just, like just form books. That they don't all go to your script so. god damn it well riders who don't go to the script that's how i like to describe anna van der Brega because obviously she won the course last year when it was absolutely nailed on race for the sprinter oh hang on a minute anna van der Brega's attacked the last corner <laughs> and stolen it yeah, and tricked everyone yeah and then she won Flesh Wallon this year, which was her second year in a row. I mean, okay, you know what the script for Flesh Wallon is, right? Well, yeah, I, yes, but I mean, it's also, sorry, I'm just, I still have white hot rage. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's the race. You, like, look, you know how, you know how in theatre they have the Scottish play and its name should never be mentioned because, you know, it just induces badness. Well, like, that's this race for me. It just, it, it. I, I, like, just get over it. Just okay. Just get get over no, it. Mentally, suck mentally, it down. Mentally, swallow I it have, down. I have a vision of a blank screen, which is ironically accurate. So, <sighs> the script for Flesh Wallon for the men and the women is that they all ride together around and do lots of attacking, but they come, but the but the main contenders come together on the murder hui at the bottom of the murder hui and race up the murder hui together now maybe some rider goes off ahead but is caught halfway up the murder hui and it all comes down to murder hui uphill sprint right yes yes that's that's the script correct that's the script unfortunately the the images that we see of the race never actually match the script Daniel, it's there. It's just, I, it's until look. It would be really easy for them to fix this problem. I don't see why it's anyway, my okay, problem. Okay, to fix. okay. So Anna van der Breger didn't. Okay, we'll have to talk about the flesh along very quickly. Dan, just shut your ears or turn off to, <laughs> or, or blank yourself. Anna van der Breger went, and and they did it in a beautiful way because it was it was Anna van der Breger and Kasia Neuadoma did this all season, where one of them attacks first. They're taken. They're, they're chased back by other by, by by rivals, and the other rider pins off them. Now, this is a tactic that's used by lots of people all the time. It's a classic, classic ta- bike racing tactic, but it works beautifully with the um, with with Rabo Live. They just do it so well. Anyway, Cassie and Uedema attacked Anna van der Breggen. She was caught, and Anna van der used that to ricochet herself off on the penultimate climb. And only Evelyn Stevens could follow her. And so they ran, raced up the murder we together, two women by themselves. Well, Anna van der Breger in the lead, uh, Stevens desperately holding on behind her. Van der Breger won. Breaking the script. Yeah? Yep. Done. Done, 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 done. Um, she unfortunately didn't, well, she was going into the Giro to try and take her... Um, you know, take take back her, uh, her, her, her title win. Yeah, tried. It didn't go to plan. Um, she had a bad day. Uh, she had, she had she had a bad day, and she kind of lost time on 
almost like all from stage one, you know, from from, from, yeah. from stage one, she was forty one seconds back behind the likes of Megan Guarnier, Cass, and Neil Doma, her own teammate Evelyn Stevens, Tatiana Goodert, so those kind of riders. Yeah. Um, yeah. She she it wasn't it wasn't but, her. But that said, I mean, you know, coming third overall isn't nothing either. So. It's not nothing, no, but I mean, you know that when you've won it, and you want victory. In any other year, you know, this wouldn't warrant consideration, but I'm going to say, you know, by the time you get third in the Giro overall and the Olympic road race gold medal, um, you know, you're in contention. Yes, but he also, in inverted commas, shouldn't have won that Olympic road race because... Okay, so she went over. She went over the top with Emma Johansson and Elisa Longo Borghini, who were both fantastic. But out of those riders, you'd expect Emma Johansson is going to be the wily one who's going to make you both work, play psychological mind games with you, and then out sprint you at the finish, right? Yep. Elisa Longo Borghini is going to use her absolutely super strong time trial powers, but probably attack at 3k to go and steal the race. Well, or more realistically, attack at 4.32 kilometers to go when you're like, what the fuck? Why is she doing that now? And then use those skills to get away. Like, cause yeah, that or 10k thing. to go. Yeah, yeah. Or, or 30k um, to go, or which would actually would be before, not, but yeah. I would not, I mean, our friend Jens always describes, who is very, who's Swedish, and of course was cheering for Emma Johansson, yep. and jinxed Emma Johansson in this he didn't know he was doing it at the time but a couple of years ago, last year in fact I think he said Anna van der Breggen sprint like a potato <laughs> poor Jens <laughs> you know that all the Anna van der Breggen fans were reminding him of this when Anna van der Breggen out sprinted Emma Johansson to win the Olympic gold you know that when Sarah says all the Anna van der Breggen fans were reminding Jens of this she means herself <laughs> Anna van der Breggen well potatoes are now top sprinting vegetables <laughs> well I, you know um, carb loading it, is important for a good sprint so yeah I'm I'm in awe of I mean I'm in awe of how she won it but also she'd seen she'd seen uh Annemiek van Vleuten lying looking like she was dead on the side of the road and it had freaked her out. She said, Emmy Johansson turns to ride for Annemiek. We ride for Annemiek. Yeah? yeah. I know that when I talk about this, Mara Abbott, um, you know, getting caught at 500 metres before the finish. Um, it, but I think um, the, the thing about Mara Abbott being caught by those three, it was inevitable. It was just amazing it lasted so long. Yeah? Yeah, yeah um, but exactly, lasted, that. exactly that. Exactly that. But yeah. I, think, I think she had the most, like, she couldn't be happy like the thing she she got off the bike she didn't have that ecstatic joyous mm. amazing oh my god i've won the olympic games because all her and emmy and emmy hansen and at least longo borghini think was is anamiko okay is anamiko okay and there's that moment in the middle of a dutch nos video where they say someone says she's in an ambulance she's okay she's speaking and you just see van der Breggen's face just her whole body just light up yeah. and that's when her olympic moment starts and it's you know yeah yes yeah. like that um she was third in the itt in the olympics she then was the european road race champion and second in the itt she didn't have a good worlds um but you know, i think i think she but who cares she had a good enough for the rest of the years <laughs> exactly yeah fuck it yeah Exactly. Okay. Who else is on the list? So, well, um, all right, so now, would you of... put Emma Johansson? Would you put Emma Johansson and Elisa Longo Borghini on your list? Um, I look to be completely honest. I'd put them in my honourable mentions. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit sad for Johansson's final season that mm, mm. she didn't get the kind of you know joyous Very thing. I mean, uh, what did she win? She won. She won the Macamin Bira, which is a race that she loves because when yeah. she started her career, she um, she realised she couldn't at that time she couldn't be a pro racer in Sweden, so she moved to the Spain to be a part time au pair and a part time bike racer. And she lives in the Basque Country, so she's always got a really big soft spot in her heart for a Macamin Bira. Uh, she had that Emma Johansson type type career. She was second in Ronde van Vlaanderen. Uh, third in Strade Bianchi, third in Strade Bianchi, fourth in Binder. She was second and third on some stages of the Tour of California. She was third on a stage of the Aviva Women's Tour. 
She had second in a stage of Turingen, second at the Olympics. Would she be on your list? Oh, yeah, look, oh, uh, 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 I, th- I think in a different year, in a, like, perhaps in a non-Olympic year, yes, but this year, I, I, I'd still have to put her on my honourable mentions, I mean, those are some great results, but they're mostly, they're seconds. Yeah, and we've got, and this is what you said earlier about having a really open set of riders, like more open than normal. There's mm. no, you know. So, what about Elisa? I mean, when you look at Elisa Longo, I mean, she was sick for the classic season, which was really disappointing for her. Um, fourth in Strade, second in Durango, Durango, fourth in Bira, second in the Philadelphia Classic, third overall at the Aviva Women's Tour. Um, won the IT, Italian ITT Championships, third in the Olympic Games. Her only win of the season was the Giro della, della Emilia in yeah. September. Yeah. What do you think? See, again, I, I maybe on my honourable mentions, um, but to be perfectly honest, that would be more for um, you know the consistency of her season overall and also the good teamwork that she put in for other other riders on her team. But but in all honesty, it. it She'd be a bit iffy even making it onto my honourable mentions, I think. What about Mara Abbott? Oh, see, Mara Mara is a tough one for me, and I thought about this a lot, actually, because, um, and, you know, at first glance, this might sound a little contradictory, but, you know, her performance in the Olympic road race was so exceptional, particularly for Mara, because... Um, I mean, we t- we talked about this at the time. It, it, that wasn't really a Mara course. That wasn't really a Mara climb. Um, she rode it incredibly well with a lot of um, panache and and a, an aggressive style that we don't really see very often from Mara. And I think the thing for me that caps that ride in particular for her is exactly what you said before, where it was inevitable that she was going to be caught. It was inevitable that if Anamique hadn't crashed, Anamique was going to win. Um, you know, it, her only chance to stay away was if Anamik was w- didn't crash and they worked together, and then Anamik dropped her on a sprint. Um, so it was inevitable that she was going to be caught, but it was amazing that she held on for so long, and it was very clear that she, you know, rode herself inside out to try and and make that last as long as possible. Um, but the problem is, one amazing ride doesn't make a rider of the year. No, I mean, she had another amazing ride. The, the thing is, the thing with Mara Abbott, the thing that I can't get over Mara Abbott with, is she's terrible at descending, mm. and she's always been terrible at descending. And we've seen a lot of riders who've been terrible at descending. Emma Pooley was terrible at descending. Megan Guarnier was pretty bloody bad at descending. But both of them went, you know what? I'm terrible at descending. I want to win the Giro and other big races, the only way I can win the Giro and other big races is by improving my descending. Like Mariana Voss literally won Giro, you know, has literally won Giro's off the back of being a fucking incredible descender and going out for intermediate sprint bonifications. Yeah. Like when you look at Voss's, I think it's her first Giro, um, you know, and you count up how much she won by and you count how much of that was sprint bonifications, you know, how many of those were sprint bonifications. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then you look at, so Mara Abbott, she... The, she won her other stage that she won this year was stage five of the Giro, which was the Motorolo stage, which she crushed the Motorolo, did really well over the over the plateau of the Motorolo, but then on the descent crashed. She, I think she 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 went over. She was like four minutes, four and a half minutes ahead at the end of the plateau, and she won by thirty seven seconds yeah. because there was a long descent and then a long run in, mm. and. Her goal was to win the Giro, and she came fifth. Yeah, because she and that's because she she lost she every time there was a you know she every time there was a um a descent you know stage ending descent she lost time every time there was a bunch sprint finish she'd be in a really far back group because she doesn't have the same positioning skills and there'd be a gap opening up in front of her so she'd like lose ten seconds or you know she'd lose like seconds there as well. Yeah. Yeah. But the other reason she's not on my list is because you look at her, what she did. She, Mara Abbott is a very, very rare rider who's allowed to ride a really, really odd program. Yeah. Mm. She rode, she came over to Europe. She rode the Trofeo Binder where she was 45th. Then she had, she was, then she basically stayed in America until 
the Giro. And in that, she won a stage of the Redland Bicycle Classic. She won the Tour of the Gila. She was um, she didn't do very well at all in the Andean Tour of California. She was 71st in the Philadelphia Classic. Right. Then she went to the Giro as the leader, as the Wiggle High Five team leader, won the Mortarolo stage, but ended up fifth overall, and then didn't ride anything else until the Olympics, and then retired. Yep. So I feel like, as such a specialist... I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't get over. I can't get over how if for years and years and years you've known you're a terrible descender and the biggest races of the year involve <laughs> involve a lot of descending. It's, like, it's not like they released the course information two days before the race. Like you've known for a while like, it's coming. So It's like Frank Schleck and time trialing. You know, like if you or, want to win, or, or the, Frank Schleck and descending. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, Andy, yeah, Andy, Andy, Andy Schleck. I just don't like going out on my time trial bike. Oh, fuck you. Um, okay, so no, so we're not putting Abbott on. We're not putting Van Vleuten on. We're not putting. Sorry, we're not putting Longo Borghini on. We're not putting Emma Johansson on. Cassiano Doma. Oh, oh. Talking of riders, now Nia Doma yeah. was also a rider who was in the running for the Giro, but she had a terrible day on the Mortarolo stage. Um, mm. She had a bad day and she didn't do it. Now, she did win. This is what Cassie Nia Doma won this year. She won the Ronde van, obviously she was second in Strade. She won the Ronde van Helderland. She won the festival Elsie Jacobs. She won the Giro del Trentino, which was on at the same time as the Aviva Women's Tour, so it wasn't a big competition. She was seventh in the Giro, best young rider. She won a st- two stages of the Bowls Rentals Ladies Tour, but her big second in European Championships, and she's the under twenty three world champion. I don't think that's good enough this year. Six yeah, Olympic no, Games. No, I, I, I mean, I, I tend to agree. I don't think it's it's strong enough um, on its own. But I mean, you know, Cash is also. I mean, she's got plenty of time left in her career, and she's definitely one to watch. You know, I think. But yeah, oh, I, she was a lot of fun to watch. Oh yeah. The thing about Cassia was that she, she, she made so many races. Like, like we talked about that Van der Breggen Neodoma move that happened in different ways. You know, where one of them attacked and the other one attacked, and then she kept on attacking, kept on attacking, and kept on attacking. She was one of my favorite riders to watch. Yep. It's just it didn't it just didn't come off this year. Yeah, yeah. So Cash is not on my list. No, I I don't think she can be. Um, uh, although you know, speaking of riders who, um, possibly are a bit of a stretch, uh, but I think were very interesting for the year and and made it onto my list. And I, I have to admit, possibly a bit of bias here, but um, it, it was just such a i think for me unexpected year and quite successful year was chloe hosking oh yes now now dan does have aussie bias about chloe hosking in in about five different ways uh not just because she's an aussie rider but also the whole pat mcquade is a bit of a dick thing (laughs) is like it's possibly the most australian moment in cycling history but not just the pat mcquade is a bit of a dick thing but how the australian federation dealt with it basically put out a statement saying eh, fucking she's not wrong you know he is a bit of a dick but you can't say he's a bit of a dick because well he's a bit of a dick about being called a bit of a dick and if we call him a bit of a dick then we've got to at least make it out like we're censuring her but unfortunately because she's right and he's a bit of a dick and the sport of women's cycling doesn't really support women we can't afford to give her a fine because she couldn't afford to pay it and he's not really doing anything about it because well he's a bit of a dick so yeah so they gave her like a 200 hundred dollar fine or something going yeah we've really given her a larger fine but it's like proportional to her wage <laughs> bearing in mind that, most bearing in mind that the exact reason that chloe made that comment was because pat mcquade had recently said that he didn't think the sport of women's cycling deserved a minimum wage yet so yes um I, 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 I think, I mean, the only thing that would have made it more Aussie would be if, I don't know, the um, SBS had paid, had paid her fine for her. <laughs> given her. Given her some kind of, like, um, you know, appearance fee that happened to be exactly the $200 or whatever for the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. to turn up, to turn up on the, on the thing, yeah. you know, or, or, or an Aussie crowdfunder, you know, where people kind of are like, hey, if you get any extra money, just spend it on beer. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, anyway. so, um, but, but, but so Chloe Hosky, I had thought before this season that Chloe, she started off as this really young hyper talent, but it had seemed like while she was amazing in in Yoko Teutenberg sprint train, she had never managed to replicate that kind of success for herself as lead sprinter. Like she just didn't seem to, I, I think it was, I don't know. I think maybe it was like a mental block or something. Yeah, that, I, it's it's that, hard to tell what it was that was different before and, and what's clicked now, but there was, there was a very definite kind of, for me at least a sense that, um, that Chloe had struggled to really find her place and settle anywhere. And, and so she struggled she to get the results, you know. The pressure, the, I think the pressure of being lead sprinter mm. messed with her mind, I think. Because she's one of those riders who, um, she's, it's all about the mind problems, isn't it? Like the mental stuff. I looked at her, her results for the last couple of years have been a bit poor. And so when she moved to Wiggle, there's so many top sprinters because they yeah. have uh, Georgia Bronzini, they have Yolene Dora, they have, um, you know, young Lucy Garner. They don't have um, they don't have the the the, there's no there's no one can be what lead sprinter and you have to fight Mm. to get to get to to prove that you should be lead sprinter. Yeah. And I think I think someone told me someone I can't someone someone told me um, I don't want to name their name that in their view Chloe rides her best when she's got something to prove and she's a bit pissed off. <laughs> that doesn't sound Australian at all. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when, she's, when she's riding, when, she, when everything's going well and it's all set up around her, it freaks her out mm. and her mind gets her. But when she's, I don't know if this is true, but it sounds, it sounds plausible to me. Yeah. But when she's, when she's like pissed off and angry, and she's got something to prove. She rides better. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and look, it, I mean, whatever the reason, and and that may well be the reason, like you say, being put into an environment where she had to compete for her place again and, and sort of claim that right and, and stuff. I think also, you know, I bear in mind, we've seen a lot from Wiggle of behind-the-scenes video and stuff for a large part of the season two, and we got some really interesting glimpses of things like Chloe being put into you know, road captain roles for a couple of races and stuff like that too, which I thought was really interesting because it looked, you know, it's very much an outsider's perspective, but it looked to me like Wiggle was also like, well, fuck it, we expect more of you anyway. Um, and and whatever it is that Wiggle did, something clicked and something worked because, I mean, look at what Chloe's done this year, like Tour of Qatar, um, you know, the team was very frustrated by not being able to, to get a win until Chloe actually pulled it together on, was it the second last or the last stage? The last, last stage. Last stage. Um, you know, then she had that great run um, at Tour of Chongming Island. Um, the one that... Which was, stands- which was a... F- the first world tour that was um it was the first stage race of the world of the of the world tour and it was like only only at that point balls dormans had won the first five races yeah yeah with only anna van der Brugge well and exactly for rabo live beating them and at that point we were literally saying is balls just going to win everything all year um i mean to be fair they weren't hatched on the island well but, you know it certainly made it easier but we didn't rule them out and that's important. <laughs> it's important to true. remember um, but the thing for me, that it's actually her last two big wins of the year that really stand out for me, which one was um, her stage win at the Giro, which, no disrespect to Chloe, but it's not something that I had actually really thought she would achieve, you know, like... It's it, not something that she thought she would achieve. That yeah. was the thing about it. She said afterwards, she, she, she crossed the line with, it wasn't so much a victory salute, but with her hands over her mouth, absolutely not believing it. Yeah. And she said straight away afterwards, I never thought, I, I, I'd actually thought that that was out of my reach, that I'd never be able to achieve that. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, obviously, that must have given her an, an enormous shot in the arm because she turned around and, and won La Course. And, I mean, okay, so I have few opinions about La Course, true, but altogether taken as a whole that is chloe's best year by far and it's a pretty bloody impressive year i think so i think i think 
so too. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. The thing I'm wondering though. So, so what we've got her down for? We've got her down for a, a win at Qatar, a a a stage win and the overall at the World Tour Chongming Island, a stage win and at the World Tour Giro d'Italia, winning the course by the Tour de France, which is a kind of like race um, at the Tour de France. Do you think the fact that she didn't win the World Championships? She was second in the Midrid Challenge behind Yoli Nora. She won the Grand Premio Bruno Bigelli. Do you think... I've got two things for you. Mm-hmm. Firstly, she went into the World Championships as a favourite with a super strong Aussie squad. And yep. she came seventh. Yep. Secondly, yep. her teammate, Georgia Bronzini, mm. won won two stages at the Giro yes and was third on another stage and won a stage at the Makamine Bira do you think A do you think that that Georgia should be there instead of Chloe or B do you think that Chloe Chloe's uh, world's win uh, world's not win world tour win you mean the Chongming Island yeah. one yeah yeah and uh, I mean, do you think, do you think, what do you think? Well, see, yeah, look, I think Tour of Chongming Island plus La Course um, as two World Tour races. um, You think that out, you think that beats two wins at the Giro? Well, yeah, I think it does. In terms of a, in terms of a year, yeah, I think it does. Because you can have a good, you know, stage race. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, I, I, like I said up top, I I freely admit that I've got uh, an amount of bias that, by virtue of having, I'm not eligible to judge how strong that is. But <laughs> no, but no, I'm, I'm would, not having that. No, I would, I, I, I would I, actually, I, you know, I I think it would be close. Yes, I, I think one of the other factors there is is probably, and this might be unfair to to Georgia, is. I think it's less of a standout performance from Georgia. And that, I don't mean that disrespectfully at all, but like her winning two stages of the Giro is not unheard of, you know. Yes. Now, speaking of not winning worlds, yes. I've got a rider who I have got as my honourable oh, mention. Sorry, 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 just before that, just before that, I did want to say, um, in response to you, your unspoken question about Chloe at Worlds, Yes, I was disappointed with her seventh, but I didn't, honestly, I didn't really expect her to win it. I thought she had a very good chance at it. I had hoped that she would podium um, and expected that she would be top five. So, yeah, that is definitely a question mark there for me. Absolutely. Now, speaking of riders we thought would win... Well, uh, sorry, sorry, just before... Just before we go to honourable mentions or, or are we going to honourable mentions and coming back because I still have a right I'm going and coming missed. back okay we're going and coming back alright yeah. cool alright so speaking of Qatar and honourable mentions I looked at Kirsten Field mm-hmm. at the start and I was like Kirsten Field this is what she's achieved this year she won one stage of the ladies tour, to, tour of Qatar she had a terrible terrible she had a really bad crash in mechanicals and stuff um, in stage two, which put her out of the running for winning again, because Qatar is normally the t- the, the tour de field. Yep. Um, she got another podium. Uh, she got she got, she got two more podiums. She was second twice. She won a stage of Energy Water. She won two stages of Energy Water. She won the Women's Tour of Yorkshire. She won a stage of the Amgen Tour of California, and she won the Prudential Ride Classic. Um, world tour race and she was second in the world championships road race however she gets an honorable mention wow she was fantastic i'm not putting her on the on my list of rider of the year because she missed so many of the big sprint races like so many of the big sprint races she didn't ride the course she didn't ride the midrange challenge she didn't ride the giro um yeah she didn't ride the lady. She didn't ride the Aviva Women's Tour. Um, she wasn't at Chongming. She, she wasn't at Chongming. So while she was fantastic and definitely gets a wow, you were amazing. Mm. I don't think she can be 
on my list of rider yeah, of the no, year. Yeah, no, I don't think you can call it rider of the year when she wasn't really contesting the top races of the year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fair point. Fair point. But, I mean, um, this goes back to what we were saying right at the start. I mean, this is what makes it so amazing to me. How open is this field? Like, yeah. you know, we, we've got strong cases for, and, you know, some question marks for almost all of these riders. It's it's certainly not clear to me from everyone we've discussed so far who you'd, who you'd hand it to. And yeah. I know right now we've probably got millions of people screaming at us because our listenership's clearly in the millions. Um, about <laughs> about their pet riders that we've forgotten. Well, I've got two riders who are on my list, but I've actually put them into different categories, and it's not really fair. But <laughs> okay, one of them, Chantal Black. Yes, she did sterling, sterling work for her teammates. Oh, maybe I should have put her in there. I feel guilty now about not. She won the run of Andrenta, and then she won Kent with Elgem. She was second behind uh, Lizzie Armitstead at Omelette Pet Noiseblad. Yep. Which you know she's she she's just she's just amazing. Um, I think she was third in the run of Andrenta behind Lizzie Armitstead. Is that right? Is that right? Is that right? Um, yes. And she then rose for her teammates at all other races. Came back right at the end of the season. She won the Bowls Rental Ladies Tour, her first ever stage race. And she was part of the Bowls Dolmans team that won the Vagorda World Tour TTT and the World Championships TTT. But That's, that's pretty good. That's a pretty bloody good year. You see, it was her or Annemiek van Vleuten to go on my thing. But I yep. put her as my number one step-up rider. Is this one of the categories that you made? Yeah. Ah, right, right. Clever, 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 clever. Well, um, my other rider, and I have a feeling this might actually also be your other rider, um, and and to perhaps some of the more astute listeners, um, they already know who it's going to be because we haven't yet talked about the rider who actually won the inaugural Women's World Tour jersey. No, 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 there's one more rider before we do that. I oh, just okay. want to say, I also, Amelie Diedrichsen isn't on my list as Rider of the Year, even though she became yeah. Road World Champion, because I've put her as my breakthrough rider. Oh, I 100% agree with that. 100% agree with that. I mean, I guess we'll get to that when we get to the breakthrough rider category, but yes, totally agree that yeah i don't think that winning worlds this is how good the year's been i don't think that winning worlds is is enough no to, not, not on a to be rider of the year definitely not on and, that's, own. and and how incredible is that <laughs> and that is saying something when it's not just winning worlds it's upset winning worlds in the most unpredictable way possible like oh my god so let's yeah. talk about that later later yeah but yeah. let's talk about who, my this is my rider of the year yeah, uh, to me, I think it has to be. Um, yeah. Uh, Who's my writer of the year, Dan? Megan Guarnier. I mean... Megan Guarnier. As we've noted a couple of times, Bowls um, have been such a dominant team all year long. And, you know, particularly when Lizzie Danen was um, leading out the start of the season, it wasn't even certain that, that Megan was going to have the kind of season that she turned out to have. Um, but she she has just been one of those writers that you love to see succeed. You know, she's a, a incredibly great success story for the continued growth and strength of uh, US writers performing at the very pointy end of the elite class of, of writers. And, you know, I just love her, her whole story coming to Europe and gutting it out and working hard and getting her skills up and um you know like you said earlier practicing things like descending and stuff to to get her advantages and you know riding with heart and class and she has had a phenomenal year that has seen her take out the very first women's world tour and her first year rosa win yeah. i love i love her i mean i i i'm i'm an absolutely unabashed megan guarnier fangirl 
she's not one of the, i i'm i'm always surprised that that the american cycling media ignores her i think i think flat out ignores her and i think part of that's because uh, there's a lot of big personalities in american cycling so you look at your evelyn stevens amara abbott both of whom are based in boulder colorado where mm. the most of the most of the american cycling media is based um and even you and kristen armstrong's and and so yeah, on kristen armstrong's yeah and whereas Megan just she's this incredibly intelligent woman she's got like her MSc in I think it's neuroscience like Mm -hmm. she's she wants to and she's already planning her her PhD or something as well right yeah she did her MSc based on um based on uh the impacts on of alcohol on brain chemistry and she wants to once she finishes cycling cycling um, get get an MD and a PhD good god I hope her I hope her cycling career continues for a very long time. Then you just don't want her to find out. Yeah, I don't need really results. You. I don't need the results. <laughs> You're just scared that she's going to break alcohol forever for you because Megan Guarnier is so intelligent that she could break. She could break alcohol for Dan. Nah, nah. Her, her, her. It, it will be thrown out as junk science here. <laughs> <laughs> so Megan Guarnier, she's she's this. She's like this. The thing that I really adore about her is she's exemplifies that spirit of, and she's not the only rider, and we'll come on to more of them later, but that spirit of absolute teammateness, you know, she's, she spent the first, I mean, and it's hard for some, like, it's hard for any rider in any other team. It would be easier for Guarnier to, for example, be the lead rider in an American team where she never has to question it. She never has to fight. She's just the lead rider. But in Balls Dolmans, she's an ultra domestic. She spent the classic season being ultra domestic. Mm-hmm. Um, she worked super hard. Um, she's, you know, it's slightly unfortunate for her that Lizzie Danan's in her team because, uh, for example, Stride Bianchi, for example, um, I think, uh, uh Omloop, uh, not Stride Bianchi, sorry, uh, Trofea Binder. She was out in the final group and came second behind. You know, it, it's very, very hard for her because, but she, but she still keeps riding for them. You know, yeah. she races for her teammates. She's fantastic at that. Yeah. And I love that. And then when it's her turn, she just shines and glows and is amazing. And I just, I'm just, yeah. I'm just in awe of her and so you look at her palmares and so she was sixth in strade strade she was second in but you know lizzie armistead was down the road she was second in trofeo binder she overtook yolanda neff just on the line uh, she won durango durango she won the final stage in the macamine Bira and came second uh she was third in flesh on with evelyn stevens up the road yep. you know coming second in Amagenta of California, she won the first stage and then the overall GC. Yep. Uh, so. Then she won the USA National Championships for the second year in a row. Then she won the Philadelphia Classic. Then she raced the Giro, didn't win a stage at the Giro, but had uh, had two podiums, rode it incredibly well. Very, very, very worthy winner. Mm. I just, yeah. Yep, and and then the thing for me is like consistency all through the year with some very big wins. Um, it is hard to fault the winner of the Giro Rosa, but the thing for me that that really, really, really seals it, um, and and she's not done with with her season at all. But the thing that really seals it for me is that she had actually wrapped up the the first women's world tour with three world tour races still to go. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean she. That's that's a dominant win, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and and what I love about her is she then went and raced the last race in the season, last race in the World Tour, the Madrid Challenge, which is a purely sprinters race. She was there to honor the jersey and honor the competition. There's pretty much no other big classic star who do that, you know. Like, no, that's not true. There's pretty much no other British, British class, big classic star who did go to the Madrid Challenge, which is not a very good race. It's it's at a it's at a weird time. It's you know it's a commerce thing. It's not an exciting course. It's one for the sprinters. So if you're a classics type, she literally was there to she she finished the season the way she started it, working for her teammates and honoring the jersey. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. I I I. I just I admire now I do devil's advocate okay she had a bad day at the Olympic Games mm. I would have expected on that course her to be over the top with Johansson Van der Brega 
and Long Live Borghini. I'd have expected her to be in that group, but she had obviously a bad day. Yes. Do we hold that against her? Um, well, look, I think I think if she had won slightly fewer races, that would definitely have counted against her. But in the scheme of her season, um, I, I find it hard to, particularly when... I mean, yes, that's exactly the position she should have been in. She should have been in that second group. But when Abbott is up with the lead group, you know, I, I'm willing to give her a bit of leeway on it. Is is what I'm saying. And and I go back to just the the dominance of her performance on the the World Tour itself. Like I I just I can't fault it. I just can't. No, she was awesome. Just awesome. 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 So yeah, um, she's my writer of the year. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you know, I mean, good, good attempt at a devil's advocate there. Um, but <laughs> I just, you know, I, I just Megan, amazing writer for the year. I mean, of course, if you're playing along at home, maybe you think Sarah and I have both gone even more mad than usual, and, and we're wrong, and um, so you you just want to tell us off. Which, of course, you're always welcome to do, uh, Twitter being our preferred uh, place for ignoring people telling us off. Um, so yeah. you can always always reach Sarah at underscore pigeons underscore. Um, you can argue with me, depending on the mood I'm in, I may even argue back at Dan W Official. Uh, of course, you can find um, us on our website at prowordcycling.com. And what you can also find on our website is you can find all sorts of things like the list of why we think these are the top five riders. Yep, yep. Because I'm going to put up what's going on Velo Voices uh, on on our website with links, um, to all the different categories. Just to remind you, our shortlist for Rider of the Year was Lizzie Danen, Megan Guarnier, Anna van der Breger, Chloe Hosking, and Annemiek van Vleuten. Yep. With... An honourable mention to Kirsten Field and Chantal Black. Yeah, you should have been on there, love, but you know you won a different prize. Just yeah. to spoiler that one. Uh, um, but, but given our classic style, where we started out going, "Hey, Sarah created two extra, three extra categories, or whatever," and we've got all these categories to talk about. I'm sure we'll wrap that up in an hour quite easily. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking with you for an hour now, and we've just got to the end of our first category, so... I promise you the rest of the categories won't take so long. <laughs> that said, we'll come back. I thought maybe we'd be kind to our, our friends and um, and do a part two. Maybe come back and, and do the other categories in a, in a different episode. Yes, we'll do that. So, fight with us. Remember, the other categories to think about are Unsung Heroes, which I've got on and off the bike, Best Race Finish of the Year, Breakthrough Rider, and Step Up Rider. Yes, um, actually, that's a good point. We should probably distinguish. Breakthrough Rider is a rider who, I mean, what we may have heard of them before, you know, we haven't seen achieve significant results before, whereas a Step Up Rider we've categorised as a rider who, while they've had some good and maybe even impressive wins, have taken a noticeable step up in this last season. Yeah, so basically how I define it is a breakthrough rider is a rider who, when we look back, will say, this 2016 was the season that they arrived. Yep. Yeah? Yep. That was the season where we knew that they were going to achieve things. You know, it might have might turn out to be poor things. Yeah, that was the achievement, the season <laughs> that they never lived up to that promise. But that was their that's their breakthrough their their, yeah. their their breakthrough their breakthrough season. Whereas a step up rider to me is someone who's had that year, yep. but who's on a transition and this year has cemented them as more than just a one off. Yep. Yep. Um exactly. uh, it's 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 like this is this is this is this is proof that they've taken that they're that they're on a they're on a journey they're on a trajectory they took a step up in the past they broke they broke through in the past they took a step up in the past but this is their step up year where they really have stamped down their authority as i am a i am a star rider yes indeed Yes, indeed. but so we'll we, we'll fight about all of those later on. <laughs> well, you know, as much as we've fought so far, um, thank you very much for joining us. Though uh, we are eager to hear if you think we've missed someone, um, if you think we're wrong in our assessment, uh, then please do tell us because we uh, we want to know. This is a really interesting discussion, and uh, you know, I go back to our early comments where it's such an open season. There have been so many great writers this year, so. 
Mm. Yeah, and bellovoices.com are going to have yes. their, um, the, the votes, so you can actually go and vote for them. I will put that on our site, prowomenscycle.com, so you can go and so you can go you can go and go and see them. Yes. Um, I I yeah, it's I it, it's 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 fantastic. It's all good. Um, mm, mm. It's it's just been I, another great year of, of racing and riding, and I'm actually I'm really excited to get back in and continue the conversation about the other categories because they're just as um, as interesting and there's just as many great moments to to relive and revisit. Um, thanks for thanks for sticking with us, and um, we'll talk to you again soon. And uh, in the meantime, do feel free to swing by Patreon.com/slash/WomenCycling and uh, commit to a couple of bucks a month to help keep Sarah in uh tea and um and potatoes so that she can <laughs> so that she can sprint through all of the work and and stuff that she does that helps make this sport so accessible to us all <laughs> thank you very much for listening